Hey friends, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens, your host, as always. And today I want to talk about the reality that your life is your curriculum. We all want to grow and change. We all have things in our lives that we are discontent with. We all have things that we would like to pursue. Maybe it's a certain number on a scale. Maybe it's a certain degree at a university. Maybe it's a relationship that we want uh, or that we want to improve. Uh, Maybe it is a job that we are seeking, uh, a promotion. But maybe it's just a state of your soul that you recognize that you are not where you want to be. You're not joyful, happy. You're not content. There is an edginess to you, an angstiness to you deep down that you've been ignoring for maybe a long time. And you don't know how to ignore it anymore because it's getting louder and louder and louder. And in those times, whether it's the soul angst or the promotion or the weight on the scale that you want to get to, physical fitness level, whatever it is, we typically get to a point where we will only act when, as my friend says, we get to a point where we say, this shit has got to stop. <laughs> where the angstiness gets too loud, where we feel so out of shape that we want to cry, where we're so stuck in our job that we just feel like we're going to lose it if something doesn't change. When we get to that point, we are very tempted to go outside of ourselves to put something into ourselves to make us change. And I want to suggest that's the exact opposite of what you need to do. There's time, and there are many times, where you do need to make a change. You need to bring something in that wasn't there before. You need to acquire something that you don't currently have. You need to get to a state of spiritual consciousness where that you haven't been before. You need all that. But if you bypass what I want to talk about today, then the danger is you're just going to exchange one level of angstiness for another, one level of dissatisfaction for another. Maybe you get to that goal weight. Yes, yes. Well, then you have to maintain it. Or you have to keep going and keep getting lower. Maybe you get that promotion. Yes, you got it. You did it. But then that new job becomes just as boring and just as soul-sucking as the last one. Maybe you wrote that book. Yes, you did it. So great. But then the reviews come in and they're not as good as you thought they would be or there are no reviews at all. (laughs) Oh gosh, I laugh, but it's just I want to cry because I've been there. If you bypass the important section of your journey that's in between getting there and where you've been, then you risk having no transformation at all. You risk just trading one dissatisfying something for another. I mean, the the good news is you can put off 
levels of dissatisfaction for a little while, but you'll inevitably get there. So I want to talk today about the reality that your life as it really is, as it really is right now, is the exact curriculum you need to really grow into who you are. And I'm going to explain that based on some of what I've been through over the last three months or so. And it's really been longer, but I've only been really conscious of it for about three months. And I teased this out in the last episode, the intro to it, that I want to spend two or three weeks talking about my own process of growth and about where I've been through really engaging in my own life as the curriculum that I need in order to uh, transform, grow, change, become, whatever verb you want to use there for the kind of life that you are pursuing. Uh, so this is part one. Your life is your curriculum. And basically the idea here is that instead of feeling the dissatisfaction and then immediately inserting something brand new into it, a new job, a new relationship, a new physical fitness goal, a new diet, uh, a new rhythm. Instead of doing that, we uh, recognize the anxiety. We recognize the discontent. We recognize the feeling of longing and we learn to sit with that for as long as it takes to really get an invitation into what you need. The reality is I don't know what I need when I'm in the beginning stages of that angsty place. Yep, I'm a little overweight. And I think that if I just lose 10 pounds, that I am going to be back to myself and feel better. And you will for a while. Yep, I am, you know, anxious about my relationship with my kids. It's not the way I want it to be. So I introduce three new things that I do with them <laughs> without thinking about what I really need to do. Yep, that changes things for a little while, but it doesn't really address what's really going on. You don't really get a sense of what you need. So the idea behind your life is your curriculum is that in some way, the universe, God, or whatever else we want to call the higher power that um, holds us all together and directs us and guides us into love and into new things, into new beginnings, uh, is that God, divine, universe, that being that is, in, is conspiring <laughs> to get you what you need, but the avenue that is used is your actual life, your very life, not what's missing, but what's really there. Let me give you some examples in my own life. I've been rambling for long enough. A few months ago, we were six months into COVID. I'm a pastor. I'm a writer. Uh, I do podcasts. Lots of what I do is I put words out there, and I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy it because there's a way in which the only way that I know what's going on inside, or at least 
The only way I thought I knew what was going on inside of me is to put it in the form of words and get it out there for other people to listen or read. That comes in the form of sermons at my church. That comes in the form of books or used to be blogs. Now it's podcasts. And I do that regularly. You know, I did a weekly podcast, This Good Word, almost every single week without missing many for five straight years. I mean, that's a lot, 243 episodes to date. And before that, I did a blog several times a week for many years. Uh, As a pastor, I preach almost every Sunday, or maybe two-thirds of the Sundays of the year. And when I put words out there that much, uh, yes, it is partly because I need to know what I think, and I enjoy it, and I'm gifted at it, and it's part of how God, the divine, uh, brings good to the world. I know that. But there's another reality going on here. That's how I get my own validation. That's how I get my sense of self. That's how if I get positive traction when I'm in front of a crowd. I know that feeling. I love that feeling. And it's a good feeling. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. None of this is bad. Let me be clear with that. Getting some validation from something that you do good at is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just not the only thing. Because you have to ask the question, what happens to myself when that goes away? So that sort of went away during COVID. I couldn't sit in front of crowds and feel the feeling of uh, watching someone uh, when the coin drops in the slot. I love that feeling. And that was gone because COVID happened and my sermons went online and no live crowd interaction really. And so I began to I think sort of struggle with that. At the same time, because of COVID and because of just the rhythm of doing a podcast every single week almost for five years, I started just to lose some energy and passion. And I noticed for a while, and I kept doing it for a while, but I noticed that it would be Tuesday and Wednesday, Wednesday night, sometimes even Thursday morning, and I had nothing recorded. And I felt like, what the heck am I going to put together and record for today? I wasn't recording out of an abundance of soul I was recording out of the sense of duty and like, well, I've been doing this for so long, I got to put it out there. And, you know, some podcasters do seasons. And so it's like, it's really clear, hey, the season's over. I'm going to take a little break. (laughs) I'm going to do another season in a little while. (laughs) I've always sort of wanted to do that and have never done it. I don't know. Well, I do know why. And I'll, I'll share that later. But Well, no, I'll share it right now. It's because I have been afraid that if I stop recording for two or three months, that people will forget who I am and I will disappear and they won't come back. And that was terrifying. That reality, that fear was terrifying. So I just kept doing it until I couldn't do it anymore. And so I didn't make a plan to stop podcasting. I just stopped. And then I just, you know, I always thought, well, you know, I'll pick it up in a week or two. Well, uh, between my last week that when I released an episode, which was midway through, well, in the beginning of December, 
The last one that I recorded was in August. So August, September, October, November, December. That's four months, folks. And that's not a planned four months. That was just four months where I most of the time said, oh, I'll probably put one out this next week. Uh, I did that for the first six or seven weeks. And then finally I said, no, I'm just not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore until I feel I have energy to do it. And if I disappear, I disappear. This shit has got to stop. That's what I came to. And it was at the same time that I began to sense an invitation. And this is so I, I stopped doing the podcast. Uh, and before I get to the invitation piece, there's a couple other pieces I want to get to. I, I was feeling the angst of just struggling with motivation during COVID, lack of ability to share my gifts, uh, lack of the feedback I would get from a live audience or from comments on a podcast or emails or tweets or whatever. So I was feeling that. I was also feeling what many of us or some of us anyway are feeling is just the relentlessness of the day after day life of COVID when you're stuck in your basement and you're stuck in your house with your family and your kids and you love them. And I love my family and I love my kids. I even love my basement where I work. But the relentlessness of the day in, day out, uh, oh, just never ending. Every day is the same. We're on top of each other. We're getting on each other's nerves was starting to get to me because I was starting to feel like a bad dad. You know, like I was reacting in certain ways that I didn't want to. I was yelling too much at night when I just wanted a little peace and quiet, you know. Um, and so there was that too. There was also the reality uh, that I released a book into the world in April, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it just didn't do well. It just didn't do well. And I'm blaming COVID for sure <laughs> because it's convenient. And I think it's the reality that books that came out during a, about a three-month window there between March and June just kind of disappeared because if the news cycle, if it wasn't about COVID, it just wasn't going to get hit. And so I didn't go on any – well, I went on a few podcasts, but my publishing company couldn't couldn't find any traction for my book anywhere. And, man, you guys, as I started to see – that it just really wasn't going to go anywhere and it was just going to get buried. I worked so hard on it and I felt such a sense of honestly, like it was an ending, like this is my third book. And if it doesn't do well, maybe that means I'm not a writer anymore. Maybe that means I can't publish any books anymore. Maybe that means I'm done. And do I want to be done? Well, um, and then the last one I really had to name that I was struggling to have any real sense of connection with the divine, any normal ways that I might have connected with God in the past has sort of just dried up. Like, you know, in the fall when you're taking a walk and all the leaves are on the ground and they're not pretty anymore, they're not colorful on the trees, they're just dried crunchy, yucky looking things on the ground that are getting stepped on and have no life to it. That's really a lot of how I felt. And 
even feel in my relationship with with God, with the divine. Not a lot of sense of, you know, presence. And even now, like I'm, I'm telling you, don't don't email me and don't don't tell me, oh, you need this or you need that, because really, and I'll get to this in a moment. Uh, what I needed was to lean into the despair of all those things. When I'm struggling with motivation during COVID, when I don't have my normal levels of feedback, when I'm struggling because my family's all on top of each other 24-7, and every day feels like the exact same thing happens. Every day is a repeat of yesterday, Groundhog's Day all over and again. When the reality of my book didn't do well, and instead of having people say, oh, you can write again, or oh, it's okay, or oh, just sitting with that and sitting with the reality that it just didn't do well. It didn't do well. Okay. Uh, struggling with my sense of connection with the divine. It's not there. And instead of scrambling to read a book that is going to help me connect or get up even earlier so I can connect with God in a new way by look, watching the sunrise or... Um, I realized that I, in naming my anxiousness and all of those things, I had such a temptation to make changes, write another book, keep recording the podcast, read a book to help me connect with God, make changes with my kids, make changes with my, with my physical health, stop eating this, stop drinking that, start doing this diet. All, there was all these temptations to change something. But the reality was, I think, and this was a gift of grace, I just didn't have the energy to do much of that at all. I mean, I just didn't. And so the invitation during that time, here was the invitation from God, was to lean into all of those things, lean into the disappointment of all of those things, lean into the anxiety of all of those things, and just be with it. But be with it outside of yourself. Like, I, I had to learn to look at it, to look at my disappointment about my book without getting so lost in I am my disappointment about my book. To look at my struggle with being motivated during COVID without getting feedback from people, but to not be that reaction, just to hold it, to look at it, to turn it over in my hands and say, well, I wonder what that's about. Uh, and I, I, it's so hard to be dispassionate about that. Like, oh, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> um, to look at myself like a character on a TV show, thank you, Pete Holmes, as I struggle with my kids and their loudness at night at 8.30 when I'm just shot and I just want to read a book or go to bed or watch my own show, <laughs> to sort of smile and say, oh, man, we love that character. And that character who's yelling at his kids, he loves his kids. He's just tired. And everything's topsy-turvy. And his life has been turned upside down. And his stupid book didn't go well. And he's not getting the feedback he wants. And so, of course, he's going crazy. Anyone would go crazy. We love that guy. <laughs> I had to learn, and I am on that journey still. It's not past tense. It's present tense. To lean into the discomfort of how things really are. My actual life is my curriculum. To resist self-improvement 
to learn how to accept and welcome my life. So at some point in that lack of podcasting journey, I just welcomed uh, the reality that I might not podcast again. And I welcomed the fear that that brought up in me. Well, what does that mean? That's that. Does that mean I might disappear? Does that mean people, you know, uh, care, don't care? And the other thing I noticed, <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, this is embarrassing to say, but I sort of love saying it too, is that in those four months, there no one, no one tweeted at me. Well, you know, I should say, um, gosh, I got off of social media for a long time too, and I'm still not back on Twitter. So I don't know if anyone tweeted or not on Twitter, but no one got in touch with me through any other avenues saying like, hey, I've noticed you haven't been podcasting. So the fear was growing. Like I really am disappearing. No one cares. No one cares that I stopped. Or maybe no one even noticed that I stopped. I stopped podcasting. I stopped well, I wasn't writing, so it wasn't even like I stopped, but I didn't do any creating and I didn't do any soliciting. Uh, I used to send out this weekly email and I didn't do that either. So like no, what I call broadcasting, no broadcasting my voice, no broadcasting my message, no putting my voice out there so that I might get some feedback. And again, that feedback, you guys, it's not bad. It's fine. It's good. It's even necessary. But there are some moments in your life. My life, the curriculum for my own growth, was inviting me to notice what would happen if all of that went away for a little while. So instead of soliciting or broadcasting I did a little experiment and I said, okay, uh, let me just assume that the folks that come to me, that ask me a question, that want to spend some time on Zoom with me, that those people are sent from God. I know that sounds so mystical or weird, but I just had to, I just had to do that experiment. And I'm not saying I had some rigid, I still had some boundaries in there. It's not like I have to say yes to those person. It was just saying Instead of broadcasting my voice out there, what would it be like to just wait like a hermit on the hill? And what would it be like if I simply assumed that uh, God was going to work through the curriculum of my life by sending me people that are going to teach me things and that really need my voice? Instead of broadcasting, I'm going to sit like a hermit in a cave and wait for people to come. And if no one comes, no one comes. But if people do come, I want to engage. And a few people did come. And I had some really, I think, pretty amazing conversations with some of those people. But a lot of days, no one came. And during those months, and I'm still there, it's not past tense, I felt dark felt anxious. I felt like I was disappearing. But I also felt like I was engaging in the darkness rather than drowning it out with noise and busyness and broadcasting and keeping on, keeping on. You know, I had a, a real true sense that this darkness was purposeful. And that I was engaging in it by sort of, if you want to say, 
in a spiritual term, sort of fasting from broadcasting, uh, that it had some purpose in it. And so next week, I want to talk about what has what helped me stay in it and what is helping me stay in it, what helped me not give up and what is helping me not give up, and how I'm beginning to see a glimmer of light. And the reason why I'm sharing all this stuff is because it's been long enough to where I feel like it's time. Because I am a person where it is still true that putting it out there at some level, at some point, is helpful for me uh, to process my own stuff. And I also know that some of what I am going through is just universal. Some of you are going through it as well. And if you're going through any of what I'm going through right now, if I can encourage you to attempt to see your life as it really is, as discontent, anxious, uh, is really the curriculum that you need to know what your new invitation is before you jump into some new self-improvement project, some new book, some new diets, a new exercise plan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you can endure the darkness for a while, the light will eventually emerge and you will be led into what you need to be led into. And there will be all kinds of adventure, joy, pain, fear, doubt, all that stuff, even in that journey. But you'll have a kind of confidence that you're moving toward your true self and not just toward another program to delay your discontent. Because, again, if you don't take the time to sit in your darkness, then it's really going to be hard to see what you need. Now, I want to say a couple of caveats. Uh, I have said this before, but I am on uh, anxiety, depression medication. And I'm not talking about like going off meds or not taking meds or not seeing your psychologist. Or I'm seeing a spiritual director. I have a tight group of friends that I'm regularly talking to about this kind of stuff. I am, again, I'm on my meds. So I really am, when I say embrace the darkness, I am not talking about doing things that are dangerous to your mental health, like going off meds or not seeing your counselor or any of that stuff. You, Actually, that's going to be some of the stuff I talk about next week, but I wanted to tee it up just in case you might feel, uh, you might misunderstand me. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Engaging in the darkness can only happen if you have certain things in place that help you keep engaging. Okay, I want to be really clear about that. But next week, I will talk about what's helping me stay in it, what's helping me not give up, and how I am beginning to see a tiny pinprick of light. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, my friends. Uh, I'll see you next week. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. 
One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.